Welcome to the Central Christian Church Podcast. We pray this message helps you find and follow Jesus. If you would like to connect with us more, please visit us at centralsj.org. What's up, Central? Hey, Merry Christmas. Yeah. You guys doing good? Hey, uh, a quick survey just to let me know a little bit who, who I'm dealing with here. How many of you open presents on Christmas Eve? That's your tradition, like tonight's the night, game on. Okay, okay. Nibblings, awesome. Congratulations. Tonight's a big night. The moment you've been waiting for, Micah. Awesome. How many are Christmas Day people? Yeah? Okay. How many of you, like, have direct access to Santa and he comes whenever you tell him to? You got, that's, that's kind of our family. Seems like it always lands on a day other than, than actually on, on Christmas. But, but, but Merry Christmas. So glad that you guys have, have joined us. And you, you've, you picked a great spot to kick off this Christmas season, this Christmas Eve. Uh, and here's why. I don't know if you've seen this, but Harvard uh, did a recent uh, study. Harvard Medical School uh, found that people who attend church on a regular basis are 68% more likely to thrive in life, 68%. Vanderbilt University found that attending worship services on a regular basis reduces stress, reduces the risk of mortality by 55%, especially of those of the age 40 to 65 years old. According to a recent Barna study, they found that people who are practicing Christians flourish relationally exponentially more than those who do not attend church. All that to say, you've, you've picked a great spot to kick off Christmas. If you want to thrive in life, if you want to have less stress, if you want to live longer, if you want to have healthier relationships, attending church on a regular basis is the way to do that, according to the research. Uh, so I would just like to take the opportunity to invite you to attend on a regular basis. Uh, one thing I, I say around here, give it a year. Give it a year. Like, like keep showing up for a year. Uh, how many of you remember Christmas 2021? Like, not that long ago, feels like. Uh, here we are, Christmas 2022. Like, the year's going to go by, so why not give it a year? Show up every, every week as much as you can for a year and see if God doesn't change your life. Uh, not because we're that good, but because God's that good. And, and here's my promise to you. If God doesn't change your life in a year, you take next steps, show up, take next steps. If God doesn't change your life in that year, I'll go to a different church with you uh, because we're obviously doing something wrong. And so, so we'll figure it out, figure it out together. But I, I guarantee it, man, you give God a year of your life, watch what he does. He'll change, he'll change your life. And so um, that's my invitation. That's my challenge. All right, in the next few moments, we're going to look at one of the most iconic Christmas passages in the Bible. It's probably a, a verse that some of you perhaps have memorized. Some of you perhaps have, have, have heard it. Uh, others of you, maybe you've read it on Christmas cards. Maybe you didn't even know it was, was a scripture passage from the Bible. But wherever you land on that, that, that spectrum, this is wonderful Christmas truth. And it's found in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. And so if you would, why don't you, why don't you stand to your feet with me in honor of God's word. Let's read God's word together. And uh, there's going to be some words on the screen. If you have your, your notes, they're in red. If they're on the screen, uh, they're in yellow. So help me out with these yellow words. Read those out loud uh, with me, okay? All right, so here it is. It says, for to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. He'll be called wonderful. Oh, this is where you, you participate. He'll be called... <laughs> Prince of Peace. Why don't you give someone a high five and say, you sound great. You sound great. You sound great. You sound great. Okay, then you can have a seat. 
So check this out. 700 years before the first Christmas, 700 years before Jesus arrived on earth, God gave this word to a prophet named Isaiah so that the people would know, mankind would know, whenever the Messiah arrives, here's what you can anticipate. Here's what he's going to be. Here's, here, here's his, his description. Here's his MO. He's going to be a wonderful counselor. He's going to be mighty God, an everlasting father, and the prince of peace. Prince of Peace. I don't know if you know this, but, but the Bible talks about Jesus, talks about Christmas as this, this indescribable gift. Over 40 times in the New Testament, the Bible refers to Jesus as a gift. Matter of fact, the only reason we give gifts on Christmas is because God has already given us the ultimate gift in Jesus. Here's what 2 Corinthians 9.15 says. He says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And as I stand before you tonight, my attempt is to describe the indescribable. It is to put into words how wonderful God is, which is actually a task that no man can do because it's attempting to describe the indescribable. I don't know if you've seen this painting by Leonardo da Vinci. He, he did this painting of the Last Supper, and he, it's an it's a amazing piece of art, an iconic piece of art. And Leonardo da Vinci, he recaps his efforts in this painting, and he says it was pretty, pretty effortless, he didn't have any trouble with the painting in general until it came to the faces. Then he said he had to pause and really, really struggled with it because he's like, man, these, these men who have really revolutionized the world. I mean, these men who, 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 who this weekend we celebrate Christmas with billions of people around the globe, primarily because the effort of these men and particularly this one, Jesus and so he, he had no trouble with the disciples' faces. He struggled a little bit. But then it came to Jesus. And he's like, I don't feel worthy. I don't feel worthy. I, who am I to paint him? And then with impulsive carelessness of despair, he painted him just as quickly as he could and let it go. And Leonardo, after he was done with this masterpiece, he said these words. He says, there is no use. I cannot paint him. And I feel like that standing before you tonight. There's no use. I can't paint him. I can't describe. Every week I stand up here and I try to articulate with words the magnitude of God's grace, the magnitude of God's love, the plans that he has for your life. And every week I feel like it's no use. I cannot paint him. How can I describe to you this indescribable gift? Millions of years from today, we'll be reflecting on this indescribable gift that we celebrate in the Christmas season, this indescribable gift that is... Jesus. So I, Isaiah, he uses four names to describe who Jesus is, what he'll be like. And I want to use that to frame up our time tonight. So the first descriptive name that he gives Jesus is wonderful counselor. He says, this, here's who he is. And he shall be called wonderful counselor. And oftentimes we read this and we think, man, he must be a beast at counseling. Like, <laughs> Yelp reviews through the roof, like his rating is so high, like Google search and like wonderful, he's a wonderful counselor. And on one hand, that is, that is true, like he is a wonderful counselor, but, but it could literally be translated miraculous counselor, a miracle working counselor. I don't know if you've ever been to a counselor, uh, I've been to several counselors and, and it's helpful, it always helps me recalibrate perspective and, and see my situation differently and and I have the joy of counseling some people. And sometimes I'm sitting with people and we're, we're counseling through whatever issue may be going on. And, and I give them a piece of advice. Like, here's some wisdom, I think, that can help you in your situation. And now if you've ever had this feeling, you're like, that sounds great, but I just don't think I can do that. 
Uh, like like I'll, I'll talk to spouses or couples that are struggling in their marriage. And I'm like, hey, just make this one commitment. Pray together every day, once a day. Just pray together. And oftentimes they'll look at me like, are you smoking crack? Like, what are you talking about? Like, I, you know, I can't do that. Like, it seems unreachable. It seems unattainable. But Jesus, he's the wonderful counselor, meaning that, that he not only has wisdom to give you, but he has the power and the authority to empower you to execute on the wisdom he offers. He's a miracle-working counselor. He's not only going to give you good advice, he's going to give you the ability to, to, to run with it to, so that your life will change. He's a miracle-working counselor, a miraculous counselor. And every time God gives instruction, he gives you the power to live it out. And I don't know what problems you're facing here tonight. I don't know what you've carried into this place, but I want you to know there's a miracle-working counselor in the house. And because of Christmas, you can unwrap that gift and celebrate that gift, embrace that gift, and, and, and experience the power to live out the wisdom that he offers. Second thing he says is he's going to be called mighty God, mighty God, literally warrior God, a champion God, a God who's never lost a battle. I, I, we often don't think of Jesus in this way because at Christmas time, we think of Jesus meek and mild and as a, as a baby reliant on on his parents, and that's all true. We think of Jesus often as, as a lamb that would ultimately be slaughtered, and that is true, but he's also a lion of the tribe of Jews. He's also a conquering king. He's also a mighty warrior. He's the mighty God. He's the victorious God. He, he not only fights and wins every battle he goes against, he desires to help you and fight some battles for you, desires to be in your corner and to help you out at your point of greatest need. He's already fought the greatest battles that you and I would ever face. He, he's fought the battle of sin and came up victorious over it. I don't know if you know this or not, but for, for everyone that, that doesn't currently have a real relationship with God, a connection with God, it's because our sin has separated us. Uh, my sin, uh, before I knew God, separated me from God. It's my thoughts, my actions, that's, that's created this chasm. But on the cross, here's the good news, Jesus won victory over sin. It was on the cross when, when Jesus was treated as I deserve, based on my actions, based on what I've done. I deserve that. Theologians call it the great exchange. Because on the cross, it, the, like the life you live deserved the death that Jesus died. And on the cross, God laid your sin, your shame on Jesus. And so ultimately his execution was the execution that I deserve, that you deserve. But now, because he bore your sin, because he, he paid the penalty for your sin, now you can be treated as only Jesus deserves. So on the cross, Jesus was treated as you deserve. Now you can live a life, a gift, that only Jesus deserves. But now it's yours. You can live life as sons, as daughters of God. What a wonderful gift. Jesus defeated the realities and ramifications of sin. Not only that, but he defeated death. Uh, last week, uh, my buddy uh, that, uh, that lives in Vegas, he, uh, he passed away unexpectedly, 42 years old. Unexpectedly. It was shocking. Uh, we're still shocked by it. But at the memorial, I would just say this, it, it wasn't as if death had the last say. It wasn't as death had any victory there because Jesus had already defeated death for Jesse. And he defeated death for you. And as a, as a son, as a daughter of God, you can live life free from the fear of death. But the reality is, is that death stalks all of us. Death is no respecter of persons. The rich, the poor, the educated, the uneducated. Death is no respecter of race or creed or color. 
Its shadow haunts us day and night, and we never know when the moment of death will come. But Jesus tasted eternal death so that you would only know eternal life. The Bible says this in Hebrews 2.14. It says, because God's children are human beings, God, uh, uh, because we're human beings, made of flesh and blood, the Son, the mighty God, became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who has power of death. In other words, Jesus defeated death on the cross so that you and I wouldn't have to live in fear of death any longer. 1 Corinthians 5.15 says this, death has been swallowed up in victory. How's that possible? Because our mighty God, because of the champion God. says this, where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. He freed us from the fear of death so that now we can serve him freely in life. He's our mighty God. He's this victorious God, the God who fought our greatest battles of sin, of death, but desires to partner with you. Whatever you're facing today, whatever battles you might be fighting, he desires to come alongside you, to take up your cause, to give you wisdom, to give you strength, to give you victory and the ability to overcome what holds you back. Not only that, there's more. He's the everlasting father. Everlasting father. And depending on how your relationship with your earthly dad is, it, it kind of means this like, like, oh man, that resonates, I get that. Or it's like, I don't know about that one. I, I'm not sure that really plays out. But here's what it's saying, that, that Jesus is who every earthly dad would aspire to be. That the perfect father is who he is. A, a, a dad who's present, a dad who provides, a father who comforts, a father who's compassionate, a father who encourages, a father who loves, a father who, who's available. Psalm 37, 23 says, the Lord directs the steps of the godly and he delights, I love this verse, he delights in the details of your life. Check this out. Jesus said this. He said, he said, said, said your heavenly father, here's how good he is. He knows the number of hairs on your head. Like he cares about stuff that you don't care about. I don't remember, like, when's the last time you counted how many hairs were on your head? Like, you don't care about that stuff, but God does. Why? Because he delights in you, delights in the details of your life. And some of you maybe feel like, man, I don't know. I got this issue, but I don't think I could talk to God about it because it's probably small for God. No, there's nothing too small for God. He delights in the details of your life. He's a good, good father. And not only is he, 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 he a good father, the perfect father, he's an everlasting father. Some of us have had parents that have passed away and their care, their provision, their protection is no longer available. And that's heartbreaking. But here's the reality. He's an everlasting father. His care is always available. His provision is readily accessible. His encouragement is available to you tonight. His wisdom is available. He's the everlasting father. And then finally, he's the prince of peace. For to us, the child is born. To us, the son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. He's the Prince of Peace. In other words, he's, he's a ruler. He's a prince. Well, what kind of rulership will he have? Will he be a dictator? Will he force alignment? Will he say, hey, follow me or else? Like, like what kind of ruler will he be? 
Well, his reign will be marked with peace. He's the prince of peace. He's a good ruler. He, he, he brings, this word in the Hebrew is shalom. And peace in this word shalom, like the meaning of it, it's not just an absence of conflict, although that is true. Uh, Jesus comes and he removes wrath, the wrath of God, like the wrath of God was satisfied because of Christmas, because the Prince of Peace laid down his life for you and for me. So he brings peace into our relationship with God, but more than that, shalom is, is more, it's more encompassing than that. It's more holistic than that. He comes and he brings wholeness. He brings blessing in a holistic sense, blessing spiritually for sure, but emotionally, relationally, spiritually, physically, financially. He comes and he brings his, his peace. He comes and he brings wholeness. He, people who often like just start following, like I feel like I feel complete. That's because the Prince of Peace has entered their life. And if ever you, you feel like, man, I, feel, I just feel like something's missing. I feel like, man, I, I've, I've got a good job. I've got a good car. I've got, I've, I'm checking all the boxes, but I just feel like there's more. That's because the Prince of Peace maybe is not as present as he would desire to be in your heart, in your mind, in your life, in your soul. God wants to show the world around us how good he is by displaying his goodness in your life. And that happens through a relationship with Jesus, the Prince of peace. I don't know what you think about when you think about God, but the Bible says God is good and God does good. He is good. He does good. He delights to do good in the lives of people. And here's the deal. No one's perfect. Uh, we're all imperfect people. So that's the starting place for all of us. But if you want God's help, if you want to know, if you want to unwrap this miraculous gift of Christmas, God, I'm, I'm just telling you, God will change your life. You say, well, how does he do that? Well, he comes with his miracle-working counsel. He comes with his heroic power. He comes, he's an everlasting father, and he displays love in your life. And his rulership is marked by peace. And he changes our life and makes us into something that we never even thought possible. Honestly, I never thought I'd be, I never thought I'd be standing on a stage, for one, much less a stage in a church, much less talking to people like this, on a Christmas Eve service. You say, well, how'd that happen? People say, how'd you become a pastor? I'm like, bro, I don't know. <laughs> I just started following Jesus and like taking next steps and here I am. Which probably makes everyone feel very uncomfortable right now. But I'm just saying God's in the life change business. Whatever you need, I'm just saying he's He's the answer. He's the solution. And that's why he's the greatest gift, the most indescribable gift that you could ever receive, the greatest gift that God could ever offer. He offers it to you this Christmas. Let me pray for you.